0: Hello, hello all you beautiful people. It's Mizzou Week and our Bulldogs are making their way to the south of the Midwest this weekend to take on yet another furry feline opponent. Nathan took the reins on this episode with our friends Graham Coffey and Josh Hancher of our sister video product, The Battle Hymnal, and they were joined by Nathan Edwards of the Missouri SB Nation site, Rock M Nation. It is always exciting to get perspective from other fan bases and see what we might be missing from the story that we tell ourselves here in Athens and beyond or wherever you may be, Bulldog fans. It sounds like Missouri fans are pretty jazzed after a season with new head coach Eli Drinkwitz, though, whom you may know from former acts such as App State, the team that will forever occupy a small place in my heart as they make the case of taking Vandy's spot in the SEC. Another note, Nathan and I will be doing a free live show tomorrow evening, which is Friday, December 11th. It'll be at 6.30 p.m. It's what we're calling the CBC Holiday Booze Stravaganza. It is the latest show in our Football Adjacent series where we share other things we're just as enthusiastic about and attempt to tie them all back to football in some way. You may be the judge of that, of course, as to say how successful we are of that attempt, but you can catch it on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and as always, our Discord server for those of you that may be on it. And as long as this game remains on the docket, we will catch you in the Missouri Midlands this weekend as we take on the Mizzou Tigers. And until then, as always, go dogs. Enjoy the show.
1: All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Battle Hymnal. I am Nathan Lawrence, one of your hosts, and also the co-host of Chapel Bell Curve, the audio uh, sister um, product of this great show. I'm joined today by our two regular, my two regular co-hosts, Graham Coffee of Dog Sports, Hoseo Hologram, and Josh hello. Hander, Dog underscore stats on Twitter. We are joined... Say hello, Josh, before I talk
2: over you. Hey, I'm good.
1: <laughs> All right, good. We got that out of the way. So we're joined today by a very special guest. From Rock M Nation, we've been trading podcast interviews back and forth for two years. Good to finally see his beautiful face. We are joined today by Nate Edwards. Say hello, Nate.
3: Hello, Nate. Nice to be here.
1: Nate is our uh, is is this podcast and streams official uh, Missouri fan of choice. Uh, so well, uh, Bill Connolly, but also well, you
3: know, yeah, yeah. He, he's um, beyond Mizzou at this point. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's he's just an ESPN personality, and so we had to adopt a new one
4: outfitter he man he's yeah transcended.
1: yeah he's got he's gone past it he's a national brand um <laughs> so today we're gonna break down a little Missouri tape we're gonna talk to Nate about where Mizzou is on their season uh and we're gonna you know get into some more drooling over JT Daniels as has been our tradition over these past few weeks so um Nate want to talk to you real quick about where we are Missouri wise I mean it feels like we were talking off air it kind of feels like house money at this point in the season for Missouri um there were, I think, most people who were being kind would say would have said one or two wins at the beginning of the year. Um, how, what do you, what's the sort of zeitgeist? What's the feeling in the Missouri fan base right now?
3: It's it's electric, man. I I can't think of the last time the Missouri fan base has been this geeked up about the football team, and and it's it's been incredible. Yeah, we came into the season, we saw the new SEC schedule and went, okay, uh, two wins, let's get the two and build culture, build, you know, see what young guys we can get on the field. Let's see what drink likes to do. And that was, we were resigned to that. And then we beat LSU and then we beat Kentucky for the first time in five years. And then we beat Vandy. And then we beat, you know, we just, we just went on this run and no, we're not beating the blue bloods like at all, but we didn't really anticipate doing that. And so now we're sitting at five wins. Uh, We are guaranteed to not have a losing season, uh, Drinkwitz would be the first Missouri football coach in over 50 years to not have his first season be a losing season. Uh, we're ranked. Why? I don't know, but it's cool as hell that we're ranked. And
1: make any sense right now? Don't worry. It doesn't
3: make any sense because the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are all screwed up. But like, still, we, we got ranked, and so we're just sitting here going, everything's great. Uh, you know, we're, I don't think we're going to be discouraged when we lose to you guys. But overall, you know, we we got a coach who's in the running for SEC Coach of the Year. We've got a young quarterback. We have an awesome kicker. We've got a couple guys coming back from this uh from the senior side for next year, and things are great, man.
1: Yeah. I think I think uh I we've talked about this before on your podcast, uh, which is a good podcast. What's it called, by the way, Nate?
3: <laughs> before the podcast? box score.
1: Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good podcast. I highly Thank recommend you. it. But we talked about this before on your podcast. Missouri fans, uh, way too rational for the SEC. Continue to be <laughs> yeah. way too rational.
3: Yeah, I that, mean, that, I, that,
2: I enjoyed it, you know, and granted, you know, I've only checked it out, you know, Missouri week, um, so um, it, it is a good show, and, and yeah, I'm always, enth- I mean, I always feel like, you know, SEC fans and Georgia fans get credit for, or if you want to call it credit, for being crazy, but it's nice to see some diehard Mizzou's, Mizzou fans getting it on.
4: So, yeah. Nate, I mean, you know, you guys are supposed to be complaining about how Drinkwince didn't start basilac from the beginning of the season, and how you would be able to beat <laughs> him a football playoff contender if he had, right?
3: Oh, probably. Yeah, you know, we would have beaten, you know, Alabama fifty nothing, and you know, beaten Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. God, just if only, if only. So, yeah.
1: still with only one touchdown from uh, basilak, but <laughs> and, like six Larry Outry touchdowns. That's, like been. that's right. Um, well, so we, you know. I mean, what do you think, we, we also talked about this on when we were talking about uh, your team uh, on your podcast. Um, what do you feel like coming into this is sort of, I mean, look, I, I think there isn't a, you can't find a metric or a number where you would favor Missouri in this. Maybe maybe an individual matchup, but there aren't a lot of great numbers for Missouri in this matchup. So, you know, as a partisan, outside of a win, it, or what are you looking for? Just competitiveness? Like, is there anything, is there any particular unit or player that you think, you know, this guy can flash this person can flash this is you know that that UGA fans should be looking at
3: yeah i mean so so we mentioned Connor Baselack. he did not have a very good game against florida he didn't have a very good game against tennessee and those two are elite recruiting teams not as elite as you guys but pretty close and he's and he struggled with them he's you know he's still a redshirt freshman so that's to be expected so i'm really curious to see how he does this far in the year with these weapons that he has against georgia uh, this is this is easily the best defense that he's going to face because it's the best defense in the country. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how he responds to that. And then on the flip side, you know, our defensive line is super thin right now. We just lost a guy who just decided not want to play football anymore. Uh, we're going to be missing a couple guys in the secondary. So, you all are going to rampage over us. But I want to watch Nick Bolton because he is looking to be a first-round draft pick as a linebacker. And I want to see what he does over his last two games, especially when he's going up against talent like you guys have. He has been all over the place when he hasn't been wrongly ejected for targeting. And I'd really like to see what kind of damage he can do to you guys.
1: Yeah. Um, We've got some, we've got some film up here for you now. Um, So I fellas uh, sort of before we, you know, uh, totally finish our harassing of Nate, do you guys have any other questions from the Missouri side?
2: What's the weather going to be?
3: Uh, rainy and 46 degrees. So, I don't know how uh, you all feel good. about that. No. Not no,
2: no. good. That is uh, a
4: noon kickoff does not really Yeah, the noon I'm more worried about the
1: noon kickoff if I'm being honest. That uh, people I, I think people who haven't been to Georgia don't understand that Athens is in northeast Georgia. It's not just in Georgia. Like not all of Georgia is a humid nat swamp. It's just <laughs> the lower half or whatever. Um, it gets cold here, not often, but it's not like it's never been 46 degrees in Athens before. It's like 32 degrees in Athens right now. Um, it's just, that's, that's where we bought them out. If it was like 15 degrees in Missouri, I'd be really worried because those boys have never experienced that.
3: See, Um, that's my favorite. We got Florida a couple of times in late October and it snowed twice. And each time the Florida guys were like, what the hell is this? And it was great. What is
1: this wet stuff falling from the sky?
3: Um,
4: (laughs) So, so I do have a, a question for me.
3: Um,
4: my question for you, I guess, is is like for you guys, as you alluded to earlier, you you know, you just had this great win against Arkansas, and you guys have won five out of six, but you struggle with Alabama and, and Florida. Like, does this game to you feel more like those games, or do you feel like maybe? this team is at a point where there's such a high level of belief and just, like, th- there seems to be kind of a mentality of, like, no matter what the score is, the players believe in the game plan, they're going to keep executing, and, and anything can happen, right? So, like, do you, as a Mizzou fan, what are you expecting on Saturday? Are you expecting a, a blowout? Because, like, this game's only a 13-point spread. Are you expecting that, or are you expecting, like, because I, I think that there is a scenario where Missouri can win this game personally, but I'm not sure what you think.
3: Look, yeah, it's it's college football. You're a different team every single week. You never know how the kids are going to respond to what happened during the week, what happened with the traveling, what's happening with the weather, what happened with the girlfriend. Like You never know what's going to happen. So it's it's tough to decide these sorts of things, but that's why you recruit really well. You recruit really well so you can cover these kind of – gaps in thought and and execution and you all have done so for five years going now and we're we'll get there eventually but we're not there right now you add on top of that that our defensive line has been completely gutted i think we got four guys to play four spots right now um the secondary is missing the eldest member uh jarvis Ware. he's suffering from a hamstring injury so he won't be playing so we got enos Rakestraw, who's a freshman and then a bunch of other freshmen around him uh at least at the corner spots um you know the linebacker's Well, he's yeah, very highly regarded. Like Alabama wanted him. He picked Missouri yeah, he over Alabama, Alabama on signing day, which blew my mind. Um, but like, there's a lot of talent. But it's just there's not a lot of us, and they're really really young and really really thin. And I mean, we were having to throw ourselves down on the ground to stop Arkansas last week, and that was Arkansas. So I think it, if it's gonna if it's gonna be a win, it's got to be a shootout. And I don't really see missouri's offense as good as they can be winning a shootout against georgia's defense so i'm going into this going all right if we keep it within if we keep it within two touchdowns in the fourth quarter right i right? kind of like where it was last week with the hint of it's not too far probably won't win but it's not too far away i'll feel really good about the fight these players they'll follow drink into hell and back right like they he's got to motivate all the ones that are there love him and we have faith in his execution it's just, I think you guys are just too talented, and we're too thin to to hang for a full game. So I'm just hoping the, to keep it close to a the fourth.
1: It's it's a poor it's a poor place to be thin against UGA because Kirby Smart, <laughs> yeah. his hand is always hovering above the mash ass button. <laughs> he, like, <laughs> yeah. his, his deepest desire is like, well, I guess we have to run split zone 15 times because they only have four defensive linemen. Um, yeah. So I, well, thanks for giving us so much insight, man. That this has been. Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting that Missouri still, I think the, the physical distance between between Missouri and the rest of the sec East, I feel like I have so little read on this team. Like I have, I feel like I really know every guy on the team at Florida and most of the guys (laughs) on the team at Kentucky, because we recruited a lot. I mean, we recruited a lot of guys on the Tennessee team, but I have just like no read. I mean, Larry Roundtree Jumar is great. That's like what I got. Um, So yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, do you want to stick around with us, or do you need to get out of here, man?
3: I'll stick around for a little bit. I love watching these 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 cut up here's with with the plays, like the one with Jalen Knox running behind Roundtree. We haven't done that for the past three games. I'd love to see more of that. Which
2: what, um, was that the Bama game?
3: Yeah, against Bama. Um, it that was us- utilized a lot at the beginning of the season. And we were like, "Oh, this is super cool!" Because then he sometimes he'd flip it to Jalen, and then it's one of those easy passes. And we just we've gotten away from that recently. I'm not totally sure why. So I, I enjoy watching this, and I like hearing what you guys have to have okay. to say about yeah, the Yeah,
1: the, the the orbit motion is really a, a really key uh, like modern evolution, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, let, hey, can let's um let's put up as a little. All right, now wait, pack. hang
2: on. So we, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nate, but I yeah. queued this play up here. Early in the game, and it's the flea flicker, and he looks him off. But so I was like, okay, it's the end of the season where you know it's balls out. Why not? This is something we (laughs) should be looking for as Georgia fans, right? The flea flicker. No, it doesn't go deep. He he checks it down. But
3: so here's the thing: Drinkwitz has run a flea flicker every game, and I would say eighty percent of those uh, Bay checks it down. It's hardly ever deep. Now, part of that is because we don't have the speed on the outside to get a receiver deep. But it's it's always like, oh, yep, there's the flea flicker. Oh, yep, it's Hazleton on the corner. It's Chisholm over the middle. It's Bannister, you know, sitting in the zone. Like, It's it's rarely as exciting of a play as you think it's going to be, mainly because it's run a lot, but also because he checks it down. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see when Drink pulls that out during the game. I don't know. I don't think he's going to open with it, but uh, there's a, you're always good for one.
1: It's weird. It's weird when a trick play becomes like part of the game plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I, what I do want to do maybe when we have Nate on is um, if you would, if you really like stats and you like UJ football, you could always find us over at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. And that will give you access to our discord server, which is a pretty cool place to be for cool people, which you are one. I'm sure if you're listening to this and part of the, what you get from being part of the discord is all of Josh's stats. So Josh is, uh, has kind of put together some comparative metrics here. So Josh, can we pop up the uh, UGA Missouri metrics slide here? Which is a brief rundown here of some just what we think are pretty relevant stats from this game. So we're going to go in first. I do want to talk about EPA because there's a lot of EPA on this. Um, EPA is expected points added, which charts the value of each play. And if you take an average of it, you can take an average of the value of several types of play. So you can see here, you know, this is a when you go offense versus defense for Georgia, there, there are some places where it's close, right? Georgia has not been an incredibly explosive team. On the other hand, Missouri has, you know, only has is been slightly below average and it's surrendering uh, explosiveness. So there's some places where it's, uh, where it's close, but there are also some places where, if you're Missouri, you got to be worried. I mean, Georgia is 17th in rush success rate in the nation this year, and uh, Missouri is 99th. Um, is there anything
2: looking at these stats here, guys, that we think is it bears pointing out? I've got one. The points per opportunity, uh, I, and maybe Nate, you can shed some light on this because your defensive metrics are you know they're middle of the pack. They're not they're not terrible, but your points per opportunity is dead last in in CAA football.
1: Can but we talk about what that means, points per opportunity is?
2: Is average points scored when you cross the opponent's forty? So uh, I, it's any the offense gets inside the forty, it's a scoring opportunity, and and the defense is given up on an average five point three. I mean, it's a pretty thin margin. You can see that Georgia's, is, you know, much, much higher ranked at 4.0 yards, uh, points per opportunity. Sh- can you shed any light on that? Uh,
3: you know, not only is the points per opportunity low, but the, the opportunities generated has also been really low. Um, for a while there, especially at the beginning of the season, basically we would get five scoring opportunities. That was true against Bama. That was true against Tennessee. That was true against Kentucky. That was true against Florida. And guess what? When we cross the forty, we kick a field goal, right? End of story. And sometimes we get it, sometimes we didn't. You know, it's it just it's that's what Drinkwitz relies on. Now our kicker's awesome, so yeah, you know that you should utilize that. You want to keep it close, but kind of towards the beginning of the season, he would be willing to be a little bit more aggressive, especially against your Bama's and Tennessees. And as the season has gone on and the competitions come closer, he's played it a little more conservatively in the beginning. So. Missouri is not a good finishing team, just flat out. Uh, we talked about it on our show this week. You cannot just average four points per opportunity, roll out five opportunities a game, and think you can win the game. Our defense is not good enough for that. Uh, we need to find more variety of plays. We can't just do triple option stuff or like, you know, try and squirt Beatty through a wheel route. Like it's It's going to work once every 10 times, but not every single time. So he's still trying to figure out what can work in the red zone. We don't have those reliable red zone threats on this roster right now. And, and so if it's, if it's not running it in off the, you know, from the five, or if it's not a big pass for a 40 yard pass for a touchdown, then we're kicking a field goal and it's really easy to slow us down, gum it up. And then you turn around score a touchdown again. And all of a sudden we're at a 10 point deficit.
1: So, I mean, I think, you know, something else that backs up some of your analysis here, Nate, is if we look at our, and we have the uh, Missouri offense on the field here. I mean, if you look at uh, what really shocks me about this is, 95th and Rush uh, EPA, 61st and Rush success rate. Uh, can you shed any light? I mean, Larry Rountree is an NFL back. I think we all agree. Like he's going to play on Sunday. Can you yeah. shed any light on where where those numbers come from?
3: Wow, I'm glad you guys think he's going to play on Sunday. We, I think he's going to make it onto a, a team. I don't know if he's going to actually play. He's he's just too slow. Now he's he's shown some burst, especially the past couple of weeks. Uh, but that's against Vanderbilt and Arkansas. You know, against against the elite teams, he gets caught. He can't break out. And part of that's the offensive line, sure. Um, but, you know, the line has been, you know, if they have any kind of talent advantage over a defensive line, opportunity rates are through the roof. I think against Arkansas is 51%. Against Vandio's 54%. Like, we, we, can, we can grind you. But if there's any talent advantage on those defensive lines, our offensive line just gets mucked up 35% offensive uh, opportunity rate against Florida uh, against Alabama. It was 40% like with 35% success rates. It's just, it doesn't work. So you got to get Beatty has to operate in space. If he can't get Beatty space, then you got to have round tree just reliably run it up the middle and hope he breaks something. And he just doesn't break it against elite talent. So I, I'm not sure if that explains the EPA versus success rates, but like, we like to use him a lot. Basically, Missouri's offense is predicated on run game success. If we can't get that going, then nothing else works. And you know, you've seen him hurdle, you've seen him stiff arm, but not against the good guys.
4: So, so let we're thinking. Question: Like Georgia has really struggled against teams that are able to get their backs involved in the passing game. Um, that was. Probably the difference in the Florida game was was the wheel yep. route and dinks and dunks and all that. Is that something that that Roundtree excels in, or is that something that his backup is better in? Because I mean, it is. I'm sorry, remind me of his backup's name, but
3: uh, Tyler Beatty.
4: Tyler Beatty, yeah. I mean, I watching the fourth quarter of that Arkansas game, like he was all over the place, and it seemed like he may even have a little more burst than Roundtree does, if not as physical as Roundtree. So. Can one of those guys be the type of guy that Mizzou could dump the ball to eight, ten times and pick up some, you know, third and sixes or second and eights against this Georgia defense?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Up until the Arkansas game, so through Vanderbilt, Tyler Beatty was our leading receiver. (laughs) Um, So that gives you an idea of how he's used. Now it also gives you an idea of the talent of our receiving core, which isn't super great. Um, but he's been targeted 30, uh, Beatty has been targeted 33 times. He has 23 catches for 314 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, also a 70% catch rate, and I forget what his success rate is, but it's pretty damn good. Roundtree, like, Roundtree's in first and second down, Beatty's in on third. Roundtree's <laughs> running on first and second down, and then Beatty goes and catches a pass on third. Like, that's is how it works. Uh, they mixed it up against Arkansas in the fourth quarter. They subbed out uh, Roundtree for Beatty on first, and that's when Beatty hit his, 46-yard touchdown, his 26-yard touchdown. Kind of mix it up a little bit. But Roundtree can catch the ball. He's not the guy that you want to be thrown to. It's got to be Beatty. Uh, so if you see Beatty on the field, it's probably going to be a pass. If you see Roundtree on the field, he's probably going to run it. And it's painfully obvious. Luckily, Drink is pretty good at scheming ways to make sure that it works. But that's basically their roles, and that's how they find success long-term.
4: Huh. Gotcha. Yeah, because you oh, I mean, look like uh, Hazel X – numbers he's throwing for almost 70% completion rate, but you keep telling me how bad the receiving core is. So I'm assuming a lot of that is like quick game, you know, kind of screen passes and yeah. easy completions or would I be wrong in that assumption?
3: No, no, that, that's basically it. So you've got uh, Kiki Chisholm and Damon Hazleton were transfers in. We wanted them to be the deep field targets, but they they haven't become that until last week against Arkansas. Jalen Knox is our slot guy. You saw him in the orbit motion. We like to use him in that role. Towski Dove is kind of coming into his own. He's the only other possible deep threat, but he's not super great at it, and he's injured. So that leaves Tyler Beatty, our wheel route connoisseur, and Barrett Bannister, uh, a little white kid from Arkansas, a walk-on. He is. We just call him the the first down maker because he he has almost 100% success rate catching the ball. He just runs to the sticks, turns around, catches it, falls down. That's it. (laughs) So we like those kind of passes. We like to use Bannister when you absolutely positively have to get a first. Dove is great on out routes to the sideline, a couple slants here and there. Hazleton's okay on the slant. But none of these guys are beating man coverage deep. None of these guys are getting way, way open. So it's it's a very much a zone-busting kind of passing game. Lots of screens, like you said, just sitting there finding the hole and trying to get Yak, which they don't get. Uh, it's a very matriculating passing game, and it works, you know, against Arkansas and Vanderbilt. I'm not sure if it's going to work against you guys, though.
2: I think he's playing. He's playing rope and dope, guys. Yeah, he's that. <laughs> uh oh, here comes the drink. <laughs> so, you know, I've got a couple of things where that some over the middle of the field um, secondary issues, or is that did I just pick out a, a handful of plays that, that that Mizzou got burned on, um, or has that been in something we can maybe look to exploit as JT Daniels um, shows us what he's got uh, for Georgia.
3: Yeah. So I mentioned Jarvis Ware being our number one corner and he's out and Enos Raikstra, who's our number two and in a freshman and freshman corners tend to get burned. Really one of our better coverage guys is Josh Bledsoe who's a safety and he's Okay. Uh, he, he was on Terrace Marshall against LSU when Terrace Marshall went off for like 200 yards. So it gives you an idea of how, how he is. But he was also paired up – Um, again, oh, who was the kid? Traylon Burks last week. Um, And I got my targeting data here. Bledsoe was on Burks nine times, gave up six catches for 118 yards. So he is not fast. Bledsoe likes to play in a box. He likes to play kind of zone-busting, make you pay for it. Um, If you just go, unless Bledsoe has a head start, he's not going to catch it. So um, that's kind of how he's been manipulated into getting burned deep. Middle of the field stuff, yeah, you know, the young corners, they try and play bump coverage and miss. And, you know, maybe our linebacker isn't there to pick it up. So if, if you start finding success on the ground, which I think you will, that's when Ryan Walters, our defense coordinator, likes to take Martez Manuel, our strong safety, bring him down. That puts Tyree Gillespie and Josh Bledsoe splitting the backfield, and they're not super great at picking up coverage. Uh, they're much better at hitting the runner. So if you can find that success and make that, uh, that, that that change, Walters loves his man coverage, and man coverage gives it burned on the slant a lot. A lot. So that's kind of where we're at.
2: No, we don't run slant, so he's good.
3: <laughs> okay, good.
2: Um,
1: I, do, I do think that sort of bodes well for Keiris Jackson, who is a guy with some get up and go. And also probably George Pickens um, there. We have those, those two dudes tend to burn pretty well. Um, and Jermaine Burton actually. Yeah. It's good. I think we might have a good wide receiver day based on what you just said, because all three of those, all three of those guys want to run past you. Ah, Look, here we I, go. Here's I, I know example. it's,
3: yeah, I know it's your show, but I'm going to take over here for a second. <laughs> Obviously with JT Daniels, this, this is a, this is a freaking revelation. And the first time Nathan and I talked, I was actually feeling pretty good about the game because JT was still an ouch town. Now that he's back, George Pickens is tearing it up. Kyrus Jackson's tearing it up. Jermaine, I'm like, oh, gosh, really? So what, what exactly? Did they hit you, hurt you. <laughs> Look, obviously JT Daniels is good. We knew that. But, you know, Nathan, a couple of weeks ago, you said you didn't have a quarterback who could hit a receiver. Now that you do, so what? what is, what? what's the game plan? Is it just everything that Munkin's been calling except it's, it works, or are they changing it to be more air raid
4: no, I mean, uh, I, I think that it's – like, we've been very big Monkin truthers on this show. Yeah,
1: all like, like, like almost like conspiracy theory levels that monkey is good. Yeah, like because <laughs> we kept seeing wide-open receivers that weren't getting hit.
4: Um, mm-hmm. As far as what the game plan is going to be Saturday, like, I think it's going to be pick, pick your poison for Mizzou's defense. Like, we saw Mississippi State load eight and nine guys in the box. And Daniels had his breakout 401 yard passing performance. Um, South Carolina decided to to play things pretty straight. And we ran for 372 yards on, I think, 7.2 yards a carry, uh, with 40 something attempts. So it's like I think that Monken is pretty good at like not he's I, I think he's not a very egotistical offensive coordinator in the sense of like certain guys are like, oh, we're going to shove it down their throats or we're going to pass all over them. He seems to be pretty willing to take whatever is given to him. Um, so really it, it's, it's going to be up to you guys to decide how Georgia's offense plays things. Um, I mean, we, we will definitely pass the ball enough to keep the defense honest, but if you guys are as thin on the D-line as you're saying that you are, I would expect a heavy dose of all four or five running backs.
1: Yeah. You know. Well they're gonna run one one thing that they had the only thing they've changed, and I did we don't have this play pulled up, but I do I think it's like borderline sexual. They 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 run uh they like to run split zone when you have a crossing tight end coming across to like crack the backside of the play, and the backside of the play is actually the front side of the play. And what I noticed is that against South Carolina and against um in the in the previous two games, South Carolina and Mississippi State, they have run – uh, split zone blocking action over with a play action. And it's like that, that's what, that's what Munkin does. Munkin mm-hmm. actually counter punches. This is the big thing we had about Coley. He didn't counter punch. He never, he would set a play up and never play it. Like Munkin pulls the trigger. He fucking sends it like no, no fear in his heart. Um, so I really do expect to see, I, I would say yes, probably if you have a thin D line, Kirby wants to run the ball. But I also think that, uh, it's pretty clear that they want JT Daniel to get the maximal number of steps um, that he can. And, and I would say, I mean, I, I would be shocked if he threw it fewer than 20 times. Um, he, Cause you know, there, there is a version of this game where Kirby's like JT Daniel will throw the ball 10 times and we will run, <laughs> we, we will run the wing tee and we probably still win. But I, I, I do think yeah. it seems like they really want to get him snaps just to be comfortable in the operation of the offense. Like my, I do actually have a little bit of sourcing on this, um, which is that it seems like that based Georgia wanted to play a game before the end of this, before the bowl season is what it was my understanding. And they weren't super choosy about who the game was. This is just what I heard from people I know in the around the program. And I'm and I think that that is probably a, you know, you want to play as many stats as possible. But I think it really has a lot to do with you want to get JT Daniel. As close to fully operational in the offense as you can on a game in and game out basis. So I would I I do think we'll run it a lot, but I think we'll see more Daniels probably than you would expect. Um, I I do want to point out, Josh. Do you want to talk about these um these metrics that you've been flashing up? We have some these uh, since post JT Daniel revelation metrics here for that you have for us.
2: Yeah, uh, let me put them back up here. Um, yeah. So I mean these were our the playbook didn't change that much. Like Graham said, you know, that we, we saw the plays open, so we didn't need to change the playbook. We didn't need to redo anything for him. And you can see that our, these were our base, you know, these thanks to sec StatCat. I can't give that guy enough shout outs. I've re- redone my, my sure, thing sure, and, sure, and yeah. I left him out this time. I'm going to hope he, hopefully Crock's not pissed at me, but, um, uh, so these concepts were you know, they were successful. I mean the flood the flood variations is fifty-seven percent success rate, but you know, nine point one yards per play. Now granted, it's a small sample size, but that same concept is double uh seventeen and a half yards per play. And then the uh the shot and switch variations, which were I mean the switch was, you know, not you know successful at all at fourteen plays at twenty-eight percent success rate. Um and you know, JT's completing them at fifty percent success rate and twelve yards um, almost 13 yards of catch, and certainly the shot and daggers, which we saw some of those big plays in the Mississippi State game, they're definitely tilting those. But still, I mean, you know, th- you know, three out of four of his dagger throws have been, you know, uh, home run balls. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just light and day, night and day. I mean, absolutely just a game changer, and I think a lot of Georgia fans are, and um, especially seeing the recruiting coming in, we're just looking next year. But, you know, having seen, um, you know, Missouri offense that was struggling to put up 20 points for, you know, the first – two thirds of the season seems to have, you know, caught fire. Um, and I'm thinking, like you said, it did start the show off. I mean, there's a lot of reason for Missouri fans to be excited about the the head coach and and Drinkwitz is doing a great job. So I think this is the game I wanted to play is that two offenses that really wanted to prove themselves and take every snap they could to get better. So I think it's going to be fun, a fun, fun game. So.
1: I will also say just to like briefly stat nerd out here that if you look at that, uh, if you put the passing concepts up real quick i think a lot of those are uh those are two and three man games those are not full pass plays they're like uh they're route concepts and i think a lot of the difference is that you'll see that the ones that have increased the yardage the most were the ones that had a deep option because what was happening a lot on flood variation and dagger which both have an underneath crossing route is that like we just didn't have a guy who could deliver that ball deep So like any any completion rate, any success rate we had on that on that pass was because we hit the crossing route coming across the middle, or we hit the out route in flood variations, or on switch we hit the like crossing route instead of the instead of the wheel. And so like I think it's it looks very different to fans because we're throwing to guys that we couldn't throw to. I mean like we didn't have a guy on the roster who could play before JT Daniels came out that could hit a twenty yard wheel. I mean, you, I mean, like, there's no way that Stetson Bennett was throwing that ball. I mean, and and that, had a, that was not just arm strength. It was accuracy. It was pocket presence. It was all of it. And so it feels different, but it's really just the same plays, just that are working the way they're intended. We're thrown to our first read a lot.
4: Yeah. I mean, we sat here after the Florida game and played, like, I think six clips of wide open receivers that were 30-plus yards downfield, and the ball was either overthrown or – Just like tossed out of bounds, but whatever reason, it wasn't getting there. And with Daniels in the fold, what's interesting watching him is he also, he almost reads like back down the field towards himself. When you, when Bennett was in there, he would read those short options first. And if they were open, he was throwing it. Daniels looks for the bomb and the home run every single time. If it's covered, he's happy to take what the defense has given him underneath, but like. The guy has, a, I think, a, a really different mentality at the position than what we saw under Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis, where it was like, let me take little chunks. Let me just not screw this up. Let me not take any risks I don't have to take because I don't really trust my talent to take those risks. And Daniels is like, no, I'll, I'll make any throw on I mean, the field.
1: Daniels is as accurate Rex Grossman. Like, he is that level of just airmail it. Like, he, that dude will throw the ball. And I mean, and you saw, uh, Kirby actually talked about it in his media availability this week. He said that they were asking about if South Carolina was a lot of RPOs cuz they ran so much and he said no cuz we knew that if we gave Daniels the RPO, if we gave JT the RPO, he was just going to throw it every time.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so like we we could we wanted to have a run heavy playbook so those were all fakes. And it was just like that's the I mean that's and like,
2: that's like that is that's the guy we want. That's my core that's, Yeah. Bro.
1: Yeah, and, and like we will, we will send you this clip if you want to publish it on, uh, like, uh, for to Missouri fans. But like for Missouri fans, that is like the ultimate Georgia PTSD. Like we have watched that guy beat us in a national championship and an SEC championship. We've watched a guy from Gainesville, Georgia, forty-five minutes from Athens, Deshaun Watson, go to Clemson and win an Addy, Doing that, so like I think this is like i i jordan fans are like the guy who finally got a date with like a cool girl that seems like she might be like a really good like you know prospect for dating and is just like sitting in the restaurant beforehand like oh god don't mess this up don't mess this up like i feel like every time jt steps the ball I'm like oh god oh god oh god like please yeah. stay safe beautiful baby like i love you so much <laughs>
4: <laughs> i mean so much clear that his first game he came out and lit it up and all that anyone wanted to talk about for the next two weeks was how he was gonna to go to the
1: NFL. Uh, <laughs> like that's the level of, we we are we, we are gave, broken. People. We gave off of a fucking ACL surgery. I mean, like Yeah, we are, we are we are deeply broken people. We were okay. like, oh, 40 yards against Mississippi State, he's going. Like this is too good for us. We we can't have this. We can't have this, we can't have good things. <laughs> mm.
3: If we win the national right.
1: championship, I might Evan ask, Like, I might dissolve into the energy field. Like it might not be. Like my, I'm so I'm just psychological abuse at this point. Like I've got nothing left. Like it's it's all psychosis, dude. All right. So now that I have just bare my soul, I do have a quick conspiracy theory
4: for for Saturday's game, uh, which is that with Eric Gilbert on the transfer market and allegedly homesick, and meaning if that's true, it's probably either Georgia or Georgia Tech that he's coming to. I am predicting that we see a lot of balls to tight ends on Saturday. <laughs>
0: <they all. laughs>
2: I, it. The, I, totally I love it. I love it.
1: That so would much. be the most – if there are, like, 15 <laughs> tight end targets on Saturday, that would be the most Kirby Smart shit I've ever heard. It would be the ultimate
4: middle finger to Ed Orgeron, and it would also prove that Kirby Smart cares more about recruiting than anything. And so if we just find a way to make, like, recruiting part of the game, then – Maybe we'll actually win a national title at some point.
3: Go in with 28 tight end targets. (laughs) Leave with 50.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, like that might, like one of the things that it's like kind of a poorly kept secret that like Kirby Smart is like a genuine psychopath. Like he's not like a bad guy or anything, but like, I I don't mean psychopath like he's violent and mean. I mean, like I've been to a couple of Yes, I've been to a couple of practices, and his level of energy is like, like unattainable by a human that has like a normal life. Like it is not. So it would not shock me if he was like Darnell Washington, baby, freshman tight end. You're getting 12 targets today. You better catch that <laughs> shit. Like I, I don't, I don't actually think that's a conspiracy theory because I think if Kirby thinks it'll work, he'd do it. Trey like, McKinney, I, I,
4: we're, gonna, we're gonna give you a couple. Round bump in your draft stock.
1: Yeah, you ready to be a second-round pick, Trey McKinney? Let's do it. Yeah. Like, um. All right, boys. Uh, any other notes, thoughts on this game before we get out of here today? I want to hear some predictions from all of you. Score
2: predictions. Dogs cover. Over. No, I got the under. thirty. I got 36-17. What's the over-under? 48-and-a-half. 48-and-a-half? Yeah, so I got the over. Yeah, I took the over. Yeah, I, pound the over. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then yeah. Th- I think I put it on Taliside 50 I mean 36 17, I think. I looked at I looked at Connolly's and we were really close. He he took Georgia to cover and then but he had, yeah, he, I think had the he had under. like 32 16. Yeah, he had the 100. under.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh I I I do actually think we'll throw the ball a little bit more in this game than we think just cuz I, you know, I mean I think it's not going to be 30 40 times I think we might get it out there twenty twenty five. Um and I just don't I don't, I don't know if it's Kenny McIntosh or Dejon Edwards or, uh, Zeus, but I just feel like yeah. I mean, we're just going to pound the shit out of the ball. And this feels like a game to me where Georgia might be up like 17 to seven at the halftime and ends at half, and then ends the game like 35 to 10 or something. Um, cause I think once they get JT, the reps that they want to get him, they're just going to be like, all right, running clock and just like hand the ball off 55 times. And the problem for Missouri is, you know, usually that plan g- loses Georgia the game, but I don't know that Missouri can stop it. Um, and so that's, I mean, you know, so this this does, I, I would say this feels like a pretty, like maybe not a comfortable cover in the first half. And maybe it's, you know, I think Missouri is going to punch around for a couple of headquarters because they're very well coached. Um, but this does feel like sort of 35-17 to me. And it might be close at the half, and it might be like even in the third, we're sweating it. but I do feel like at some point, you can't have the same four guys in for sixty offensive snaps on the defensive line and not have some regression. I mean it's just that's just not how the position works. So I feel like pretty easy cover, but it might because it's Georgia, it's gonna suck at some point. totally. Um,
4: I I think Missouri is gonna score some points. Every time we go to Columbia, it seems like there's a kind of chaotic energy to the game. I mean, like even in like 2018 when we came up there, there was, you know, that was a really good Georgia team, and it was one of those games that, like, even in the fourth quarter, we would score a touchdown, they would score another touchdown, and it, like, never felt like Georgia could really run away. Yeah, like, hide.
1: arguably Georgia won on a punt block. Like right. yeah. in that we, game, like with the chaotic like bounce and then Eric Stokes takes it for a touchdown or whatever, like
3: and the, drops it before he crosses the end zone. I might add
1: that's true. Too. Yeah, yeah, that was also true. Yes. Yeah.
4: But that was yeah, that was the introduction to Eric Stokes. Um, he had lot, that
1: he had that ball. You know, he was carrying a ball on campus the next the next week. That is that is know, a true story. Yeah, so that makes me very happy. Holy yeah. shit. That's incredible.
4: So, yeah, I mean, I think that Missouri is going to score points. I think that Georgia is going to score points. I think that um, we talked about this a little bit off air, but to me, the the place where like this, this thing really breaks down for Missouri and this, this thing adds up is the pass rush that Georgia has. Um, I think if Georgia can get up 10 to 14 points and force Missouri to, because like, I think Georgia will do a good job of of holding round tree um, in, in that rushing attack. So I think there's going to come a time in the game where it's obvious Missouri has to throw the ball. And once that happens, I, I think that the waves of pass rushers coming in will probably a, a little bit too much for that offensive line, especially in the second half. So I think it'll be close for a while. Like, I think it'll probably be a seven to 10 point game at halftime. And, and even going into the third quarter, I think it could still be a couple possessions. Um, I'm going to say 41 to 24, Georgia wins. But it won't feel like the game will feel a lot closer than a, a 17 point win should. I think.
1: All right, Nate. What do you think?
3: Wow, I'm I'm honored that you're giving us 24 points. That's man, I you just put uh, up 50
1: points, man. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's, it's a poorly <laughs> kept secret that Georgia's defense has not looked excellent without Jordan Davis on yeah. the field. Now he might play this year, this week, but
3: look, Good. we put up 45 against LSU because Bo can't figure out how to talk to his guys. Okay. Kentucky held us to 20. South Carolina held us to 17. Those are two half teams, so let's not count that one. Vanderbilt, we're not counting that. That's not a real team. Yes, we just put up 50 on Arkansas, but Barry Odom can't coach defense at Missouri. Like, that's just, that's the rule. And (laughs) he came back to Mizzou, and we honored him with with a crazy high-scoring fest where the better team lost. So... That was, that was crazy. That was different, okay? I mean, I understand that Missouri's going to have to pass. You're going to ball up the run game, no doubt about it. The, we're pretty good at stopping sacks. I think our sack rate's like top 20 in the nation right now at 4%. So I'm not totally sure if you're going to sack him. I don't even think you really need to because we're going to do these little crappy little dump-offs and zone-busting passes, and you're just going to gobble it all up. There's going to be no one open. You're going to swat it away. Or if we catch it, you tackle, bam, it's it's you know second and seven. It's like, oh, crap, we got to do this all over again. So I see kind of what Nathan was saying. Like, you're going to get up 17, 20 and go, all right, we're good. And then it's just running clock. I think you're going to be looking at something like 35, 14, something like that. And Missouri scores, maybe a garbage time touchdown to carries away.
2: Yeah, wing. we did it. That's, a, that's, an, that's, an, uh, that's an over by a half.
3: Oh, I'll take
2: it. I think, um, you know,
1: Georgia has something. I think this is an interesting game, and I think it should be a fun game. And I never want to say that the game doesn't matter because I know it matters to a lot of people. But let's be real this game really doesn't matter, like in the grand scheme of the nation and also (laughs) in the micro scheme of, of college football. So I'm kind of interested just to see. Like, i just want to see like why not empty the playbook at this point from both teams like run a run a tight end pass shit you want to get eric gilbert we're we're put, we're installing Dar- darnell washington as qb pass pack package like whatever like, yeah, Dar- wild. yeah, yeah wild. i was just
2: gonna say darnell Dar- I, I would
1: i would i would salivate over that um anyway well boys it's been a pleasure nate thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight it's been a real a real joy to have you here um and I have been Nathan Lawrence. I am joined today, as always by Graham Coffee and Josh Hancher. And again, our uh, excellent, excellent guest uh, here, Nate Edwards at, I believe Nate G. Edwards at Twitter, uh, a, a proud member of the that storied Rock M nation staff. Uh, and if you liked what you hear today, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am Nathan J. Lawrence. Josh is Dog Underscore stats, and Graham is Dog Out West. And as I said, Nate is Nate G. Edwards. If you really liked uh, what you heard today, you can check us out on patreon.com forward forward slash Chapel Bell Curve, where you can get access to um, all of Josh's stats and all of our rants about video games. And then also on Friday, another brief announcement. We'd love to have you on the Patreon and Discord, but on Friday for our patrons, but also for the public, Justin and I are going to be doing a holiday cocktail show where I'm going to make the world's greatest boozy eggnog recipe. And that is 100% true I, I will stake like quite a bit of money on that. It will change your life. It is called smooth. Um, it, it does not mess around.
4: So I'll my sweater.
1: yeah, please do. Uh, we're going to have a good time. So it's also my 15 year anniversary with my wife. And that's how good my wife is uh, that she's letting me do Congratulations. a on our 15th anniversary. Well of dating, but still that's what, we, that's the one we celebrate anyway. This has been the, uh, the battle hymnal, and we will catch you this weekend in Como and parts unknown. But until then, go dog slash cats,
2: tigers. Just tigers. go dog.